everybody, welcome. My name is Matt and I'm here with Andrew. Today we're going to be talking about The King of Staten Island, our views on it, and whether it's really autobiographical or just another Judd Apatow movie. So grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces and let's break it down on the Post Credit Podcast. Remember we lived in a neighborhood that was like, you go to that park, uh, Romer Park in Washington Terrace. You could see. You can look down on yeah. Riverdale and see yeah. see the uh, the movie playing there. Yep. And if you get to a certain part, you can do what they did in uh, Eternal Sunshine and watch a movie from outside and just kind of either tune in the radio or make your own movie up. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. So uh, today we're talking about The King of Staten Island. Uh, that was released uh, this year, uh, twenty twenty, and uh, it was directed by Judd Apatow. He helped uh, write it along with the star Pete Davidson, who probably wrote a good portion. Most of it, basically. Yeah. And uh, Dave Cirrus uh, also has some uh, some writing credits. Do you know him as a writer? That's new to me. Cirrus, mm, I'm trying to learn the writers because, I mean, in, in all reality, you know, the, the writers, without writers, I mean, you just got garbage on the screen. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just made up ad lib type garbage. You know, I mean, if you notice, like, like, for instance, like The Office, you know, most of the actors in the show, The Office, are also the writers for the show. You know what I mean? Because they know what's funny. And just like, you know, with some of these writers nowadays, some of the writers are actually some of the main stars. Like uh, Seth Rogen does a lot of writing on a lot of the films he does. And, you know, and especially Judd Apatow uh, films. And they, they, they're they doing a lot more like writing on TV shows, too. Yeah. Uh, what What is it? Um, what is he coming out with? Oh, yeah. He's doing the Ninja Turtles cartoon, redoing, revamping that. Seth Rogen is. Oh, okay. His studio uh, is actually doing that, so. Well, I had a feeling I was going to see if he was a Saturday Night Live uh, writer, and it looks like he do- he has written for Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I uh, probably got together with Pete uh, Davidson um, during Pete Davidson's time there. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing. You know, again, a lot of these stars that are in Saturday Night Live – you know, write a lot of this stuff. I mean, look at look at Tina Fey, who happens to be uh, not only a Saturday Night Live alum, but she's a producer, writer, all that other stuff. But most of these people that were on Saturday Night Live, they wrote their own scripts yeah. you know, or their skits. I mean, you know, they wrote them all. Do you think that there's... I mean, do you think there's ever a problem going from television writing to to TV writing? Because I mean, most of them seem to be. Wait, wait, you just said the same thing: television to television, television to T or uh, television to movie movie writing. Because you know, there seems to be. It's like maybe it's just because of the star power. It's a skit that's from Saturday Night Live. You know, like Night at the Roxbury or whatever. And uh, it seems to transfer over pretty well, but just because of the star power of the skit. But they seem to have very terrible. Well, written, written movies when they go to the I, movies. I, I I would have to disagree with you in the simple fact of I mean, look Except at Adam, for Wayne's World. Yeah, well, but look at Adam Sandler here. You know what I mean? I mean he 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 didn't really so much carry any of his characters over. Um, I yeah, I don't think any of his characters over. But he wrote some really good scripts for movies. You know, yeah, some people are like, oh, he's just corny and all this other stuff. But I mean, what did he write though? Successful. I don't think he wrote many of his movies. I thought they were written by other people. No, either. I, I want to say that he had like uh, some kind of say in probably, um, a, maybe maybe not so much some of his first movies, but definitely probably some of them going on. You know, later on or whatever. I mean, like um, who was it? Uh, Andy Samberg is the same way. You know what I mean? He. He's done a couple movies, and uh, they've carried over, you know, from Saturday Night Live type stuff, and you know, but Adam Sandler really hadn't done it. But I mean, let's see some of his credits. So apparently, he wrote Billy Madison, Happy well, Gilmore, go. The Water Boy, Big Daddy. Okay, these are so like his greatest this, movies. Are this show's written, by, written him. by script and everything, but that that doesn't mean, and that's it's just going so, to his, solely right. But that's yeah, that's just going to his uh, individual profile. Yeah. Um, well, well, I mean, but but even then, that's what I'm saying is that you know, it a lot of these characters, a lot of these characters, I can't, you know. Go ahead. A lot, yeah. There we go. Um, a lot, a lot of his characters tend to be, you know, you you could tell that he created them. You know what I mean? It's not like a uh, an actor acting in something that just does not fit who he is as a as an actor. You know, I mean, you know pulling him off some you know some serious you know 
com- comedic actor working in nothing but serious type movies, you know, stuff that doesn't fit his personality and his type of style. Yeah, you know? but this is what I'm, I'm talking about. You know, you have these 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 stars like Adam Sandler who who wrote like The Waterboy and all, but it looks like that most of these movies, it starts out with, uh, you know, an actual yeah. writer. Yeah. And then the actor gets in there, kind of makes it their project and kind of messed around with it a little bit. That's, that's I mean, you know, uh, Seth... Seth Rogen, James Franco, you know, all those guys are, you know, part of this Judd Apto type type world, you know, where, you know, like this movie is, you know, the the King of Staten Island is is writ, written by Pete Davidson and Judd Apto. But I mean, you could tell that it was a lot of Judd, Judd Apto type movie. Just like, you know, when Seth Rogen gets with him and and does certain things and then, you know, I'm sure Paul Rudd even got in with uh, Judd Apto and helped him with some of the writing and stuff, you know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, this this movie does have um, some of the Judd Apatowism as far as like being too yeah. long. His his sister in the movie happens to also be Judd Apto's daughter. Yeah. Though the remember remember it was at uh, Knocked Up was it or well it was yeah, in a few. Up. Yeah, yeah, but well, here let's. Uh, so the King of Staten Island. It talks about uh, the, it's it's this kind of uh, almost uh, biographical picture of Pete Davidson's life. Um, he plays a character named Scott Carlin. Scott is named after Pete Davidson's real life father, Scott uh, Scott Davidson, who was a firefighter that died in nine eleven. Um, so Pete Davidson, the actor, he's he's had to kind of deal with some stuff throughout his life. And uh, decided to write a movie to help him deal with some of that stuff. So he he plays this character named Scott Carlin, kind of the name after his dad, but the 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 person that he plays, the Scott character that he plays, is basically he says about seventy five to eighty yeah. percent him yeah. in real life. Um, you also had uh, Bell Powley uh, as Kelsey, who I loved. I, I really yeah. like the Kelsey character. She's so, such a natural actress, right? Like, she is. Like she, it, it didn't even seem like she was following any kind of script. No, and she had just like this wide-eyed, real innocent kind of thing about her where she was. you could tell she was like head over heels for this guy, but he was like, he gave off kind of the impression at the beginning that you don't, um, that, that, that he didn't, he wasn't really as into her, but then you kind of find out later that maybe he was, he just didn't know how to express it. Or whatever. No, well, and he he said he wrote this movie a lot to explain, like to help him with his depression and uh, personality you know, disorder. Yeah. He has like a borderline personality yeah. disorder, and that and that's you know that's pretty darn close to being you know bipolar. You know, a lot of times those two get mixed up, but with, with his you know ever changing type of mood, it just you can also see that you know I don't know if as an actor, I'm thinking that as an actor and this character are probably exactly the same as far as his personality, you know, cause when you see him, you know, doing interviews and stuff, it's a lot like this character, you know, in the movie. Now he, um, you know, he does deal with, you know, depression, things like that. You know, and a lot of these funny men do, you know, I mean, look at Robin Williams and, and Chris Farley and all these other, you know, tragic, tragically died actors, yeah. you know, that that dealt John Candy even you know I mean all of them dealt with depression you know and some of them the ones that dealt with depression were some of the funniest actors out there yeah you know and I think I mean to be honest with you besides politics and stuff like that involved I mean this this guy he's Pete Davidson he's he's a great actor I, I really like his his style of uh comedy you know yeah it's kind of it's kind of you know like you have the two masks in uh, theater, the you know the happy mask and the sad yeah. how the sad clown, yeah. happy clown, that type of thing. You know, you got a lot of these uh, naturally gifted comedians that uh, you know are all about comedy and everything, but in their personal life, man, they got some issues. Um, well, it's it's their way of being able to handle it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so Belle Pally, uh, she plays Kelsey, uh, Ricky Velez, uh, plays Oscar, Lou Wilson, who I guess was a roommate of Pete, uh, Davidson's, um, when they were in college or something. Uh, he plays, uh, Richie, uh, who was, uh, like another busboy waiter, uh, where, where Pete Davidson's, um, character work. Uh, Moises, uh, Arias. He played in uh, Hannah Montana. My, my my daughter and her friend uh, pointed that out to me. I was like, "That's oh, well. right." I was getting him confused with the guy that dances in the Step Up movies, or is that the same no, guy? No, no, no. The guy that dances in the Step Up movies is actually like six foot something, and this guy is really pretty short. Like they do yeah, make fun pretty... of him on the movie. Ah, uh, that that is right. Wasn't he on like uh, the Selena Gomez show, uh, The Wizards? See, 
Hannah Montana. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, Wizards of Waverly Place. He was on. Um, yeah, he played Rico in Hannah yeah, Montana and everything. Of Disney but, fame, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, for some reason, I thought I, I thought that that was that guy, but I was like, he just doesn't look right. Yeah, and it could, because they even mentioned he's an adult the, now, but they even mentioned in the movie they're like he's like, oh, I can dance and everything, and I was like, I wonder if that's like a hint, but yeah, I guess that's not the same guy. No, no, the other guy's different. Um, we also have uh, Marissa Tomei as uh, Margie, and she's she plays um, Pete Davidson's character's mother in the movie, uh, I mean, based I mean, on his mother. She's such a good actress. Have you noticed that everything she's in? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you see her in, uh, you know, uh, my cousin Vinny and stuff back in the day, you know, and she was just like, didn't she win an Oscar for that? I I want to say maybe I think, but she, you know, it, it's just everything she does. She just seems so natural at acting, you know, just kind of like the the uh, the other his girlfriend in the in the film, you know. But she's just such a natural actress that, you know. You believe her as being the aunt or the the mom or the you know what have you yeah, you know she, she did win an Oscar for best supporting actress uh, in my cousin oh, man. she was so smart in that movie like she she portrayed like a dumb blonde type character but she was such a smart actress in that movie and just like the rest of them you know I mean she's just believable you know and plus she's one of those women that do not age with time you know what I mean yeah. Yeah, in this movie, she had you know she had her own issues, um, which we'll get into. But right. um, kind of rounding out the main cast is uh, Bill Burr as uh, Ray Bishop, who uh, plays. Uh, uh, as far as everything that's based on Pete Davidson's life in this movie, this is a completely fabricated, uh, new addition to the what other you know what in other ways would be a kind of a real life telling of of Pete Davidson's story. Well, and you forgot one person. You you forgot Steve Buscemi. Yeah, well, yeah, he's more of a supporting, but yeah, he, he is a major, major character in there. And I think that the only reason they brought him in here um, was because Steve Buscemi did used to be a New York uh, fire department uh, firefighter and um, the, way back in the day. And when 9-11 happened, um, he actually went back to his firehouse in New York and volunteered as a volunteer to firefighter to help, yeah, to help with search and to help with, um, you know, the support crew and all that kind of stuff. So... I thought it was really cool that they put him in there. Um, he's one of these rare uh, actors that have done, you know, some cool, amazing things and uh, kind of gets to address that in here. Um, what did you think of the opening? What do you think that scene was all about Him with him closing his eyes and um, almost almost crashing his car into that those stuff? I, I, I think it was a, just kind of a, um, a, a look into his life, like a, a slow glimpse of, of personality, of, of his 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 thought process you know what i mean because you know he's traveling in a car by himself and you know it, it this main story i think the story it, it does surround around him you know failure to launch as we say you know uh get his life going and whatnot but it, it's also kind of like a story about uh you know a boy and his father you yeah because he lives he lives in a house with his mom and in real life uh pete davison does still even to now, to this point now, live in the house with his mom. Now it's a million dollar house that he bought for his mom, well, and he lives yeah. in the basement. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's always and to this day still lived with his mom. Yeah, and 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 it just that first scene. I think it was just trying to give us a glimpse to show us that, you know, he he he's having problems feeling things, and you know, this is, you know, his way of just trying to, you know, close out all those voices and maybe possibly push away any kind of feelings that he might be happen to you know feeling driving around by himself or something you know so you do you think he wants to die or do you think he wants no. to feel something no i think he wants to feel something i mean he he doesn't want to die because you know i mean he does talk about it like you know he says everybody dies you know i'm, I'm dying right now you know i mean he wasn't really actually dying but he's just he he doesn't care about anything well, even the fact even that when, himself. Yeah, and in fact, when he opened his eyes and saw those cars there, he didn't let the car keep going. He swerved, so obviously he's afraid to die and everything doesn't right. want to you. Right, I think it does a good job of introducing us to, to basically like the mentality mentality of the main character. Yeah. Um, because, you know, he he's obviously having some kind of a panic attack, and, and the scene was talked about by Pete Davidson uh, behind the scenes, and he was talking about how um, he actually used to do that in real life. Yeah. He really did that. So he would drive down, and, and it was about um, 
testing fate, I guess. Yeah. Um, he's talking about how, you know, he wasn't sure with his life and what happened to his dad and everything if he was meant to be here. So he would do that when he first started driving. And, you know, it was kind of a test of fate. Like, well, you know, if I'm supposed to die, I'm supposed to die. You know, he would try to see if he was supposed to live or or, or, yeah. or whatever. It's kind of a... And, you know, he, he talked about how it was, it was a very bad thing to do and everything. And it was a stupid yeah. thing to do. But it's interesting because it shows kind of how he approaches life and 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 problems i mean he 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 kind of the the whole movie shows us you know he doesn't want um he, he can't handle the you know changing and moving on like you said yeah. failure to launch and everything and you know it's just kind of closing his, his eyes and ignoring the problems that are inside his head and his problems or you know his, his actual problems yeah to almost to his detriment because you know if, if physically if he was in that car you know kept his eyes closed for a, a second or two longer he would have crashed into those cars that were in front of him and that's kind of how he lives his life it's very uh, risky way to live his life that he does well with I, his friends too right right and you you know people live life like that because they have nothing to look forward to you know i mean when you don't have anything to look forward to you know you take all kinds of risks in the sense that you're not you're not an adrenaline junkie, but you still take risks because, you know what do, what do you got to look forward to? You know what I mean? And 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 I think you know with him, his biggest, you know he he didn't want to die, but he he also, you know without saying it out loud, but he wants to you know be known as the guy whose father died in the in the in a uh, as a firefighter in that hotel fire. You know he. He he kind of wanted it. That's that's what he felt like defined him. You know what I mean? That's why he you know had the tattoo and you know he was he was pretty big. You know yeah they're like oh don't ask him that. But he was like no I'm I'm gonna tell the story. I'm gonna tell what happened. You know and then just you know going to the firehouse he was he was just really kind of using that as his dad being a hero and and everybody knows dad and is you know well and it's a shock value thing right it is. and and that's what comedians like to do the difference between the character in this movie that Pete Davidson plays is he wants to be a tattoo artist and in real life Pete Davidson wanted to be a comedian yeah and so you you could tell the and he would, and in his comedic acts he would use his father you know in in certain certain comedic uh, comedic routines that he yeah. would do he would actually uh, use his father like i think on Justin Bieber's roast Pete Davidson said you know uh, i always um you know, wondered what it would be like to grow up with a father. And then I met yours, Justin. I'm glad my father's dead now. Right. You right. know, stuff like that well, is supposed to be like this cutting, yeah. offensive type of, of thing to make him stand out. And uh, so I think that kind of comes across in the it, movie. It, too. it does. But, you know, at the beginning, too, you know, I mean, um, you know, they, they even accuse him, his friends accuse him and the girls and everything accuse him of being, you know, having dark humor, you know, and, and, and living off that dark humor. I've got to admit that, you know, there are times that I find dark humor hilarious, even though it's not, it's not really super funny. It's supposed to, you know, for normal people, it's not supposed to be funny, but, you know, I find some things like that uh, somewhat funny. And, and, you know, with the first joke at the beginning of the movie was like, you know, you, uh, knock, knock, who's there, not your dad, right, you know, and then right. the, they're almost like, even him's laughing, but then you kind of see see that little twinge of hurt in him mm -hmm. right at the end while everybody else just because he doesn't know what else to do with that no, information he doesn't. he doesn't know he doesn't. How, how else to talk about it right and you kind of think that maybe that he used that a lot in his comedy routine i mean you know he does because he jokes about it sometimes but you know loved ones and things like that you know especially fathers and son over sons and stuff like that you know no matter you know they're gonna look at it like you know this is a passion you know what i mean it's it's not something bad he's not He's not really. He's still mourning him, but he's kind of, um, in his way, in his own way, mourning his father. But he's making light of the situation by making jokes about it, which you know it works for some people. Well, and it's that harshness too. I mean, it's, they they also throughout the movie they they do things they push people to go off on them. You know, like yeah, you know they're uh, you know that with that kid that that came to do the drug deal at the window and stuff and you know they would have got me your shoes yeah you know they they wanted to get paid for it and everything but they're giving him shit because they don't like his uh, sorry they, they're giving him crap because they don't like his older brother right and uh and then the the big huge buff guy that's getting tattooed by machine gun kelly 
I mean, the guy just starts ripping on on that big uh, Pete Davidson's character. Just starts Confederate flag. Starts ripping on this stuff. big buff guy, you know. And that was kind of cool because you're like, okay, well, this guy maybe is a neo-Nazi. You know, he's got his head shaved, he's yeah. got a Confederate flag, and all this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, he, he knew that this guy would have stomped him into the ground. So I mean, yeah. he's content. And he still sets Bill Burr's character off. I mean, it's this constant antagonistic. Um, uh, persona that he has, yeah. which is kind of like my next question for you yeah. is, I didn't like him. Did you find him his who, character likable? Pete Davidson, Pete Davidson's yes. character, and the, the, this the the main reason I found found his character likable because you know he, he did seem very natural, and and I think the reason he seemed so natural because I believe he was playing himself on ninety percent of it. You know, I mean, I, I, I truly believe that he seemed so natural in that role. You know, like almost like obviously the role was made for him because I mean it was halfway written for him or a quarter way written and by for him. him and by him, you know, and and so, you know, I I feel like it was just it was a no brainer for him. I think his character Scott to me it was it was he was ex- extremely unlikable, but I I think maybe that's the point is you know because. He's kind of a, a contentious guy. He's outside the norm. His ta- his ba- body is all tattooed up, you know. Um, he's he's not shy about talking about his his dead dad or drug use or whatever it yeah. may be, you know. So you know he he is just who he is. So I thought right. that would that that part of it was good. It was it it seemed natural that that, that he was kind of playing himself. Yeah. yeah, I felt like okay, this is him playing who he thinks he is. But I thought it was very, very unlikable. I thought Bill Burr was the the likable one because even when he's going off and screaming at people, you're just like, you're yeah. getting behind everything he says. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah you well, know, yeah. Well, my <laughs> like thing, when he does his comedy. Yeah, and well, and that's the thing with Bill Burr is that this is a kind of a such a toned-down version of Bill Burr that we're used to. You know, I mean, even in... He wouldn't. He was in the Mandalorian, right? Yeah, but he didn't go off on any big rants like he did. No, in this no. One. But 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 you know, he went off the big rants. But again, it just seemed like, I mean, Bill Burr. I think he's from New York. You know, I mean, yeah. you can't have an accent that strong and not be from New York. But, um, I, you know, I he just felt again all these characters. The reason I love this movie so much, and I I'm gonna say it, I do, is that all these characters are natural born. You know, they're natural at these characters. It's almost like these characters were made for them. You or know written what I mean? for them. Written for them or that, you know, they have some a bit of this experience of that life, of what things may have happened to them to be able to put into this role. He's actually from Massachusetts, which actually came through in the uh, in the yeah. movie because yeah. you know he's like, oh, you know, I go watch the Yankees, and uh, and and Pete Davidson's character is like kind of thinking, oh, that's something that we can connect with because he's a Yankees fan, and then uh, he goes, yeah, you know, go to Staten Island. He goes, oh, you mean the minor league Staten Island Yankees? And Bill Burr's like, yeah, you know, I'm a Sox fan, I'm a Red Sox fan <laughs> yeah. all the way. You know, I, I like that they had to put in there. But but you know, that's the thing. It's you know, true people from Massachusetts and Boston will never ever I don't, I don't care who they are i mean it, you know i i feel like the the rivalry there is so strong that not bill burr would probably lose his left leg like before, maybe they before he said yankees are the best team so or like what you think you. maybe they wrote the role for him to be a yankees fan but oh, then absolutely. they got him and he's like i will even on film yeah. even I, acting, I will, not I will do refuse this to say that i'm a yankees fan and we're talking about major league yankees yeah yeah uh you know he i I thought, you know, I found myself thinking, you know, this this movie would hit more with me if it was more a duo. If we saw more of Bill Burr and his his interact, interaction with uh, Pete Davidson's character, Scott. Um, well, the second half of the movie, we really did, though. And, and that's where it picked up for me. Yeah. That's where I really started getting interested was the second half. You know, uh, and... and this movie was way too long, anyways. But that's that's a common problem with Judd Apatow. He has he has uh, movies that if they if they were just cut down a bit more, a little bit more shorter, they would be much better movies. And and he's had that problem with like Funny People, with Knocked Up. You know, it just went on for too to long. Be, and and to be honest, I, I'm opposite end of that that belief. I, I like the length in his movies. I, I like the you know because. Again, I'm I'm a big fan of Judd Apatow. I mean, he just everything he's done, I've I've loved, and you know, having this long movie, it was entertaining for me. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, I know this is a common complaint with Judd Apatow. That's well known. He has has movies that kind of go 
uh, overly long. But you know, with the, this 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 Ray character that Bill Burr plays, it's um, it's a character that was created for the movie. So in real life, Pete Davidson's mother never remarried, um, and <clears throat> so it was kind of a conversation between Pete Davidson and the director Judd Apatow of. Um, what if what if the mother character does meet somebody else and what if that person is a firefighter could we explore that and Pete Davidson's like yeah you know that's actually really interesting so let's explore that I thought the first half of the movie we are 48 minutes in and I think we had just barely met Bill Burr's character or something like that but I mean we were like 48 minutes in I found myself I'm like okay what's the point of this movie like what where's it going yeah it was too much with the friends and him being a slacker and all that you know within the first five minutes I got that he was a slacker I didn't need like another 20 30 minutes to see that he can't get off the ground. He can't function well enough to move forward in his life right now. The failure to launch. <laughs> right. Basically. He needs something to push him. And I get I got that. But it's kept it seemed like we kept on getting another five minute scene, another yeah. scene, and another scene to show just how and I'm like, I got it, you know. I think that's part that could have been trimmed down a little bit. Well let me ask you this. I mean, you know you know, Judd Apatow did uh Freaks and Geeks, right? Uh-huh. So what about, you know, couldn't this been made into maybe a TV show even? You know, I mean, uh, just the quality of it. I mean, you, you could have just continuously showed this character. You know, I mean, yeah, eventually maybe slowly move into somewhat of a career or become, you know, a tattoo artist. I mean, you could really probably, you know, because Staten Island, you know, we've talked about this before with, with um, scenery being characters in the movie. You know, and where this one is, I mean, it's in the title. You know, I mean, Staten Island life and one is of the a unique, character. And one of the unique things is it was actually filmed on Staten Island. You know, not just right, a, right. not just a filming location or whatever. Yeah, but it's 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 kind of it's one of those movies that actually one of the characters is the scenery. You know, it's is is the uh, location, and you know, with Staten Island, I mean, I, I truly believe. I've been to Staten Island. It's not the most prettiest place in the world, but, you know, not knocking people that live there from there, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a world of its own, you know, it really is. I mean, it's, it's part of, still part of the New York culture, part of the five boroughs, but, but it's still, it's not known as one of being one of the best boroughs. And I mean, they even talk about at the beginning of it, how, how all these other boroughs used to be, you know, uh, just high crime rates and trashy areas and things like that. And then, uh, you know, she was saying like Brooklyn used to be garbage and then now Brooklyn's booming, you know, because a lot of the people from Brooklyn have become famous movie stars, music stars, things like that. So it's really elevated the community where, you know, Staten Island is still, well, one of the quotes in in this movie was, uh, Staten Island is the only place that New Jersey looks down on. (laughs) Exactly. Because most New York boroughs and all of the city of New York, you know, they they always, they always look at Jersey as the joke in the, in, in, in the area. Uh, whereas they say, well, you know, Staten Island's the one place <laughs> yeah. that Jersey does look look down on. Yeah. Now, I I'm no expert in all the boroughs of New York and all that kind of stuff, yeah. so I can't speak much to that. But there was good representation of it in this movie because yeah. they filmed in Staten Island. You got to see the Staten Island ferry. Um, uh, Bill Burr's character uh, wore a realtor's uh, shirt that is in the Staten Island and Brooklyn yeah. area. And also, uh, Wu-Tang Clan was featured on yes, uh, a lot of Pete Davidson's Ghostface shirts Killer. and stuff like that. And their, uh, Wu-Tang Clan is from Staten Island, correct? Yeah. Well, well, um, no, it, well... That's what I. Some, some of them are. I, I believe Netflix like Method. Rep. Yeah, Method or Hulu. It's a Hulu. It's one now, about. I, th- I thought I saw one on, on Netflix where it was like the whole history of hip hop and it was talking about. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Wu-Tang well, I thought you were actually talking about the Wu Tang um, no, 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 documentary no. series no. on Hulu. But no, it's uh, um, just, you know, he, he did a very like good Ghostface job. Ghostface Killer and yeah, places yeah. And people like that. He did such a good, you know, he represented New York. And, you know, a lot of these actors from New York are, are very passionate of where they're from. It might not be the greatest place in the world, but, you know, people from New York are proud to be from New York for 90% of the time, you know. And they talk about, because they're they're about to rob a, a pharmacy to, to sell drugs and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they talk about how, they're like, this is how Jay-Z made his money. And, you know, we can't all be Jay Z's. Like, we can't all be Jay Z's. You know, they're, they're like, didn't all his friends aren't all his friends in jail or dead now? Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. We're all Jay Z. He's like, you can't all be Jay Z. No, no. And 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 you know, it's just again with with when you when you write some of the script for a movie that you star in. I mean, you pretty much have free reign of what you want to say and what you want to do. And you know, some of these actors, I mean, can really come out 
with some some funny stuff, one-liners, things like that, that I guaranteed are not, you know, in the script. They're all ad-libbed and, uh, you know, added in on the spot, you know what I mean? And and I, But getting back to the whole thing where I, I truly believe that this could probably have been a TV show. I mean, it would have been an interesting TV show, I think, in a way. You know, I mean, yeah, definitely spread out some. I mean, it wouldn't have to be a long one, but maybe even a series or something. Yeah, it would be good to, like, if they want to do the slow development of him because i mean it took yeah. i mean like it, like seriously i think we were an hour in before it started addressing anything other than the fact that this guy couldn't move forward with his yeah. life um but you know one one aspect of it and this is just like a little off off thing um you know i'm a huge fan of rescue me yeah and uh that was released just a uh, you know a couple years or a few years right after 9-11. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was a huge, I was a huge a fan show. of that. But, I mean, that show talks about how, you know, firefighters aren't allowed to date widows of firefighters yeah. or, yeah. or, or have any kind of relationship with him. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they can take care of him, help, you know, mow the yard, you know, fix right, things around right. the house kind of situation. In fact, that it's it's almost like a, a tradition, you know, to do something like that, you know. But and, I just, I kept thinking of Bill Burr's character, uh, you know, hooking up with Marissa Tomei's character and, and thinking, you know, I'm like, man, if this was Rescue Me, that guy would be getting his, his butt kicked. Yeah. Right because yeah. <laughs> Dennis Leary got his butt kicked a lot. And, you know, because he was sleeping with uh, his cousin's wife uh-huh. and everything. So, you know, it, who was also a firefighter that had died in 9-11. But uh, so I just I, I'd wonder, you know, maybe if we have any listeners that that know about FDNY or whatever, if, if they have any kind of insight on if that's a huge kind of no, no type of thing. Right. Well, and, and you know, um, it's again with this. You know, and if you notice, you know, a lot of, especially nowadays, you know, law enforcement, not so much uh, first and responders and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of law enforcement are getting uh, flack right now. A, a lot of it, you know, and but nobody ever really goes after the firefighters, which you can't blame them. I mean, no, the, guy, the guys are there to rescue people, yeah. you know, and well, it's like and the if, Coast Guard. Coast Guard right. is, is separate in the military because yeah. they're a defense and a rescue, a life saving right. organization. Right. Where with this one, you know, you know, you do get people hating on like the government and hating on different different uh, entities, uh, part of the government, whether it be state or federal. But you know, you could even see uh, in one scene um, Pete Davidson's character was just staring at the firefighters saving people going in there when windows are are getting blown out and and you know fires everywhere but then you know just really kind of giving homage to to the firefighters and and what you know how they risk their lives day in day out and heroes and how they live at that station even though they have you know that was a big thing with the firefighters that Steve Buscemi was talking about with the character with Steve uh, with his his character was he was talking about how you know, you can't, as a firefighter, you can't have family. You know, you shouldn't have family. Yeah, you know? I, I really like that scene. And just to address what you were talking about, they, you know, they had talked about that scene and uh, and and Pete Davidson talks about, you know, watching these guys go in there and everything. Yeah. And it's like, man, that's 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 my dad, you know, doing stuff like that. Yep. Um, but in that scene and in this movie, uh, we have somebody named John Sorrentino, who plays Captain Palazzo. Um, he uh, actually was a real, is a real FDNY uh, firefighter and yeah. worked with Pete Davidson's uh, father in real life. Uh, I think it was for about six months or so. So yeah. he knew Pete Davidson since he was born. Um, so it was kind of cool, cool little connection there where yeah. he was watching this guy go into this burning building, and you know, because he was only seven when his dad died, so right. he knew him, but you know, he never got to see him like yeah. go into the job and and do the job. So well, that's interesting but i think the firefighters his conversation with the firefighters when they were at that game and he just talked about how you know anybody who's a firefighter shouldn't have children because then you know they have to deal with that for the rest of their lives and i get that but i mean that's like the hero business it really is soldiers firefighters police officers you know i mean no nobody in this country would you know especially in this country would would sit there and tell somebody else you know, you shouldn't have children or you shouldn't have a family because, you know, you're saving everyone else's family, you know, where in the long run, it's like, you know, it, it really what defines people, it what, you know, sets up people's morality really is the people around you and, you know, your surroundings and your family and things like that. That's that's what sets your moral compass. And, and I, I truly believe you can't be a first responder or a police officer or something like that without any kind of encouragement like that. You know, pe- people, yeah, you know. You see in movies, people, oh, I want to be a cop 
cops so I could shoot people and jump on jump off car hoods and and you know leap from tall buildings type situation where you know in the long run you know yeah you got some of those heroes like that but you know it really molds our first responders things like that it has to be family you know and and, and I that's where I think you know what Steve Buscemi was trying to tell him was that you know they they have kids because they they want to be able to protect them you know and you know they're in, you know they want to protect other people's family too you know and, and and they really you know i just kind of feel like steve buscemi you know and, and in this movie he played such a good um you know serious role you know mm-hmm. a lot of times he's got a little bit of comedy in there um or he's plays some sort of gangster in whether I think it was Sopranos or something yeah, like that. I think it know? was important for him probably to play a firefighter in this yeah. movie where it's kind of based on real firefighters because right. he was a real firefighter. You right, know? right. So it was, I think it was kind of more personal to him, yeah. but he still got to have, you know, some comedy, have it yeah. directed, well-directed, well-written and everything. He probably felt like it was really honoring towards, you know, because I guarantee you if, there, if there's anything negative against firefighters, he probably would not be attached to this picture, you know, in any shape or form, you know. But I think that, that Judd Apatow and, you know, Pete Davidson want to come out and say, hey, Let's do something, you know, because right now our, our first responders are extremely important in what they do, you know, and, and you know, it's, in a way it's kind of honoring them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, 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 and I didn't, I didn't like, um, as I said, the first part of the movie where he's, you know, going through all this stuff. I really enjoyed the second, especially when he started getting in with the firefighters and Bill yeah. Burr's character. And I don't know if that's because of the the trailer or not, because the trailer makes it look like it's like he this, tries to become a like like, like it's a the thing where he's trying to become a firefighter and, and is dealing with, but that only happens about the last thirty thirty to forty minutes of the movie of, of a two and a half hour movie right. basically. Um, so you know maybe that threw me off, uh, and I was waiting for that to happen, um, but I don't think so because I had seen a little bit before that it wasn't yeah. all about that. Um, part of the trailer well if you notice like throughout the movie he didn't really actually say he wanted to become a firefighter he was just saying how he honored them how before it was like it was almost like he was mad at his dad for leaving him for something that he didn't really wholeheartedly understand you know yeah. like being a firefighter what it meant to be a firefighter and i think truly that's what it would the story was mainly about just trying to you know make you know he loved his dad you know anytime yeah. somebody brought it, so he said you know he was a great man he was a hero this and that you know but i don't think he felt like he understood why his dad left yeah i think i think the story is about him trying to find a way to move forward or trying yeah. to find a purpose uh find some way to he has a purpose he he knows what he wants to do he just can't yeah. get there you know whether it's you know he's not a very good artist um but he's slowly getting better yeah um but you know that's the thing the that, tattoo restaurant well yeah they and they showed that you know like his drawing of the super of bill burr's kids superhero yeah. you yeah. know he was really Ice good at yeah but then at the end of the movie when you're like you think oh he's getting better and then you see the tattoo tattoos he's been doing on Bill Burr's back you're like wow they're all they're all still sucky well well I think I think in a way you know it it kind of seems like he would be the same way if that was his own dad like I felt like he he wanted Bill Burr in a way not to have anything to do with his mother but then near the end there he kind of started to look especially when he he saved that girl uh in the fire and Bill Burr's character saved that girl at that point I I feel like he was just like honored you know almost like it was kind of a second dad to him in a way you know and and that's how he honored him on the on his back yeah it wasn't anything wasn't like super good but you know he he wanted a practice you know and i think he i think he knew that he was full of crap he, pete yeah. davidson's character i think he knew he was full of crap um whenever he was uh had that fight with bill burr's character yeah. where he got thrown in the pool and everything I, you know, I think that it, it was just the way, you know, he things were changing and he didn't yeah. like it and everything. But he, but he knew that Bill Burr's character was a good guy. Yeah. You know, not not the type of person he would hang around. Yeah. Uh, very often. But he knew he was a good guy. And then whenever he's bouncing around all these different houses because he has no place to stay yeah. and then finally goes to the firehouse, you know, nothing. Not, we didn't see anything that really made him like warm up to Bill Burr's character. He just went to the firehouse and was like, "Dude, I don't have anywhere to go." I, to I, go. And I then feel they started like that, kind of like, yeah, I kind of feel like that was a little forced, though. I mean, him, you know, of all the places, where is he going to go? He's going to go to the firefighter, uh, to to the fire, um, firefighter house or whatever. He's going there, and he goes there because he has no other choice. You know, it's it's almost like 
why wouldn't he go to like a homeless shelter or something like that? You know, he's going to go to where his mortal enemy apparently is, you know, and ask to stay there. I just kind of felt like, but that's what I'm saying. I think that, I think that it just finally dawned on him that, you know, uh, okay, I he, he knows that he can go to this character, and he knows that yeah. Bill Burr's not going to really make him go out on the yeah. streets and everything, even though you saw he kind of wanted to. But I think he finally kind of realized in the end, like, look, I can go to this guy with a hat in my hand, and he will yeah. reach out and try to help me because yeah. he's a good person. Um, so, you know, I love the scenes between him and Bill Burr's character. I love the scenes between him and the firemen. I think that's where you should have put the bulk of the movie because, no, it's not about him trying to be a fireman. It's trying to him trying to figure out a way to move forward and then getting to know that world of the firefighting yeah. that his dad was a part of. Like, he didn't... In no way did he want to be a part of it. He thought it was very heroic, but I st- and, and you know he was helped cleaning yep. around the firehouse, yep. but no way did he want to be a firefighter. Yeah. Um, he just... He, he found himself connecting to more of his father's world through that and helping right. to put to bed some of these issues he was having with his father being yeah. gone through that. Yeah, because if you, if you notice, like, um, and it's probably, you know, again, going along with his, his, his own personal life in the sense that, you know, it probably was always kind of over his head, like, maybe I should become a firefighter. You know, this is talking about Pete Davidson in real life, you know. Maybe, you know, hey, maybe, you know, maybe I should become a firefighter, you know, that kind of thing, but... But I think the movie was kind of in line of way he was thinking. You know, he, you know, Pete Davidson in his real life, you know, wanted to be a comedian. He didn't want to be a firefighter. Just like in this one, he wants to be a tattoo artist slash restaurant owner. Right. Um, but <laughs> the most uh, unsanitary thing you can think yeah, of. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, but you know, in the long run, it's kind of like you know, it, it never really shows him actually becoming a firefighter it was more like him just observing and him him you know being able to like you were saying move forward and and uh you know more move forward with his life and realize that you know who his dad really was you know yeah and you know his friends that he was hanging out with there they were obviously a drain on him um yeah. i thought the whole robbery thing i did not like it at all during the movie because one it was out of character for all those uh, those friends of his it really was those friends did not have any kind of ambitions to be doing anything crazy you know when they got people come yeah. trying to find uh trying to buy some bars of xanax off of him yeah you know he uh they they're like picking like little pieces like well here's four i think this is a xanax you know they're yeah. they're looking around for these pills to out of this guy they weren't motivated they don't have any kind of ambitions or 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 the wherewithal to rob a place they only did that so these friends would go to jail and clear that part of his his life life. yeah that was that was dragging right yeah and so where he didn't have any kind of options so i thought that that was kind of real ham-fisted in the movie and like oh that's 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 totally against these other characters um um characters yeah you know it, it was i mean he he could have just but the, it really had to ha- it, something like this had to happen in the movie to shoot him into the other uh, to the opposite direction i mean if you think about it because if his friends were still around he probably could have stayed with one of his friends he wouldn't have gone to the firehouse and then right therefore that part of the movie wouldn't have happened like yeah it and that's did. why i'm like that's yeah, kind of hand-fisted yeah. just shoved in there like oh let's have them rob a pharmacy and get caught and go to jail right right but you never know again you know these these are might be stories he's pulling out that you know from what i heard that there was nothing like that like he had never been part of a robbery or anything yeah. uh, not that he would ever admit to that but right right but but again you know it's it's kind of they had to have something to shoot him off to the other direction and and get away from that and i just you know another part that didn't really kind of make sense is that he shows up like you could tell like his mother loves him i mean even his sister said that you know everybody always uh gives him everything he wants and and doesn't look down on him and you know treats him like a baby pretty much even though he's the older brother and and you know so i you know it felt like his mom was there for him a, a thousand percent you know she was really she's really like do anything he wants to and then you know after she kicks him out he comes back and she's just kind of like eh, i don't care what you're doing right yeah. now just just get go off up i mean she she was you know intoxicated obviously but you know it, i just felt like 
that kind of didn't make sense, you know, just because the mother was just really all about him, you know, and and now that she didn't have a boyfriend, I understand that she kind of wanted she was it was kind of her way of just kind of kicking him in the butt and saying, you know, hey, you need to start living your own life here. Yeah, and it felt well. I mean, it felt like they were both code, like both both the mother and the son, a mother played by Marissa Tomei, and the son by Pete, Pete Davidson. It felt like both of them. Uh, were kind of like leaning on each other, like they they were kind of yeah. imploding because of this. You know, they couldn't get past the death yeah. of of this of Pete Davidson's father. Um, but the 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 sister, Pete Davidson's character's sister, she wasn't old enough to know him to know the father very well when he died. Yeah. So you know, the other two, they have all these memories, which makes it harder for them. Her, while tragic that she never got to know him well. Uh, it showed how it, it might be a little easy for her to move on with her life um, because she never knew she she doesn't really know what she's missing out on as yeah. far as as far as who he was and everything. So I think that part of it showed that the mother finally found a way yeah. to kind of move on. You know what I mean? Well, she was and she was real happy with. Um you know the way her life was going. I mean, and and she was also happy for the mother. You know, when she she met she met uh, Bill Burr's character. Um, you know, she was really, really happy for her, and you know, she really kind of wanted Pete Davidson, but she also, you know, she was kind of like, the, even though she was younger, she was kind of like the older sister to Pete Davidson yeah, on, as far you know, as maturity like, level went. Well, I think she knew. I mean, like we were talking about, she knew that both of them were 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 having, you know, have always had hard times trying to move on with their lives. Yeah. And she knew that they, that she was kind of a buffer for, for both of them, you yeah. know, to kind of ease it. But once she was gone, both of their neurotic tendencies were going to kind of mm-hmm. explode. Well, he said, he remember, he, you know, she said, don't take it out on Maude. Yeah. You know. Don't. What did you think about Maude Apatow playing her? I thought that was pretty cool. And I, and I thought the fact that, you know, that happens to be uh, – uh, Judd Apatow's, I'm guessing his oldest daughter. His oldest yeah. daughter, yeah. And you know, you remember her in like movies like Knocked Up and things like that. You know, and it's just, uh, I, if if it wasn't told to me, I couldn't see her. She didn't look anything like she did back then. I, I didn't know she say. was in this movie, but I had forgotten that Judd Apatow likes to do that. Not only with his daughters, but with his wife as well. Well, his wife's kind of an Leslie actress. man. Yeah, she's yeah, been an she's, actress and for a she's while. Like, yeah, and that's that's fine and everything. But yeah. you know, he's like in in uh, first. You know, they were they were all in Knocked Up, and then they were in This Is Forty, and they were in um, Funny People as well with Adam Sandler. Um, you know, she. The, I, I. Whenever she first came on the screen, I was like, "Where do I know her from?" And I'm like, <laughs> "She looks so familiar." Yeah. And I paused it, and I'm like, "Oh, because then it, you know it's on Amazon, so yeah. it shows that her name is Maud Apatow." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, that's one of the daughters." And I remember thinking, um, when I first saw the the daughters, and especially the older one, uh, Maud Apatow, in in Knocked Up and This Is Forty and Funny People, um, I was like, you know, she's got this certain look about her where she she knows a lot more than she's you know she lets on. So I'm like, you know, I think she's gonna be a really good actress. I was really disappointed in her th- during this movie. Uh, she seemed very surface level. Level. She didn't seem like she'd had a lot of layers to her. You know, it seemed like when she was supposed to be, you know anxious about her graduation party i mean it was an overdrive and she was just wide-eyed there was no kind of like you know ups and downs or whatever you know it was just kind of like this full-on turn it up to 11 type of performance with every type of emotion that the director told her to be in and it just i don't know it it didn't work for me It, it didn't seem natural it seemed like she was giving a direction hey you're supposed to be angry now and it was just like i'm angry I know just for like you know yeah. however long the scene was she had turned up her acting to 11 and you know I don't know it just for me it didn't work I think she's a she's good at, she looks like she's a good actress and she's done well in some other things but yeah. I think she needs a little bit more a little bit more training I don't know I mean as far as I think with in relation with Pete Davidson's character when they were interacting with each other I I, I felt like you know there's got to be actors out there that other actors work really, really well and feed off them. And it just kind of seemed like she fed off of Pete Davidson. But when she was doing anything else, like you said, with any other actor, she was just very over overreactions, you know. And, and But with Pete Davidson, I feel like she was kind of, uh, you know, I, it was believable that we're, they were brother and sister, I thought, you know. Yeah. And I also think it's funny that... uh like I saw that one guy, that a big guy that was getting stabbed, or he got stabbed, yeah. and, and I was like, "Gosh, I know who he is." I was like, "That's got to be like a rapper." I was like, "I swear, I've seen that guy before," 
And uh, yeah, that guy's Action Bronson. And I was just like, I was like, I knew it. I oh, knew okay. he was a rapper. And I knew, I, I was like, I know that guy. He's, he's got to be a, a rapper, I think he is. And then and then I look it up and I'm like, oh, that's Action Bronson. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about Maude Apatow, um, that rapper dude. Uh, you know, uh, Casey, uh, Casey Davidson, who's Pete Davidson's sister in real life. Yeah. Because <clears throat> he does have a sister in real life, she actually plays the uh, Tinder girl that nobody thinks is real. Of that, oh of that yeah, guy, in the jail, uh, in Igor's, the jail. Yeah. Uh, and she's—they <laughs> don't think he's re- she's real. And then she shows up like, at good the, for at him, the end. yeah, yeah. And she's meeting with <laughs> that's the that's the uh, his his sister in real life. So that was pretty cool. Um, did uh, the the one song that's played and it plays in the trailer? It's the Wallflower song called "One Headlight." Yeah, and um, that was actually Pete Davidson. Uh, it came out in 1997, I believe, 96, 97, something like that. But that was actually Pete Davidson's and his dad's favorite song together. So it was really cool to see that they had brought that in the movie and him singing it with a bunch of firefighters. You know, yeah. kind of adds a little bit more to the behind the scenes, you know, feel of it or whatever. But do you, do you like pictures like this? I mean, this is kind of a lot like Garden State, you know, not as as uh, crass as, as Garden Young State. Young people trying to figure out life, yes, that type yes, of thing. Yes, that, that kind of thing where it's, um, you know, sometimes... If it's done right. Yeah. Because it... it, it sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, when they get super corny with it and, and yeah. some of it's like... Okay, yeah, we get the, that's the type we, of thing I was talking yeah. about. They, when when they get real heavy handed with it, and it's like, and sometimes you're watching it and you're just like, oh my god, this is so dramatic, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. Like a lot of people have problems that I've never had to experience, so I don't know how that would be. Yeah. Um, I think you can go overboard with the depiction of it, yeah. especially if like, okay, if you want to get to an audience member like me that hasn't been through this particular thing, um don't do it in a way that you know they that they still don't yeah. understand they're still going to roll their eyes with if you if you're real heavy with it you're right just, right we're never going to get it but at the same time you got to also kind of kind of consider you know these coming of age stories you know really it's just from the perspective of the writer you know and and so yeah you want you want people to watch the movie but at the same time you don't want to get away from your depiction and your your idea of what your coming of age story looked like or was similar to, you know, it's kind of hard. Yeah. You want to kind of make it so audience will watch it, but at the same time, are you taking away from the story? You know, I mean like, like, you know, when you, when you're writing a story like this, yeah, you want to depict what happened to you and maybe exaggerate here and there. But at the same time, you're like, okay, well, does anybody want to see this? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like an evil, you know, an even medium that you have to keep there. Because if you go too far one one direction or the other, you know, you're going to take away from the story or take away from, you know, the actual viewer of, of your story. Yeah, they, they I think they lost a lot of um, potential for for some good foreshadowing because yeah. um, did you think that Pete Davidson's character was going to tattoo that dude's son's superhero onto his back? No, I didn't. Um, I really? thought that, I thought they had that set up because you know it started out where he's like, oh, that's not very good. But then uh, after walking those two kids to school for a while, yeah. you know that kid starts to kind of develop the character, and Pete Davidson's like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's much better. And then he does this really cool drawing for the superhero, and you got uh, Bill Burr's character looked at it. He's like, wow, this is kind of amazing. And so then later on, when he was like, go ahead, tattoo whatever you want on my back, yeah. I was like, you know, that would have been a cool moment for him to tattoo his son's character on his right. back to show his son how much Or he maybe cares just his kids in general. Yeah, you something know? like that. I mean, it was cool that they did the, uh, you no, know, I thought that was kind of weird. It, yeah, okay. So, yeah, it was. It was a little, you know, if you want to kind of tug on the heartstrings or have a happy ending or whatever. But, you know, the fact that he tattooed himself his sister, uh, his sister, his mom, and, and Bill, Bill Burr, Burr <laughs> into a family with his dad over in like a little memorial flower sun, yeah. or sun or whatever it was. Yeah, that was kind of a little. I, I think the superhero thing would have meant a lot more to one Pete Davidson because he yeah. connected with that kid, yeah. to Bill Burr and to his son and all that well, kind of stuff. Well, in the same time, you know, at least maybe throwing <laughs> throwing the kids like at the end of the line or something, you know, because I mean it was just you know really leading how close you know Pete Davidson was getting to his kids and and how you know it was becoming you know somewhat trying to become somewhat of a, a whole family, and then he just forgets his own put his own kids on his own dad's back you yeah. know i thought on, may, well and i thought maybe he i thought maybe he'd like start a comic book with that 
kid's character and like give up the whole tattooing thing and and do a comic book you know with the kid's care with the with the, the dude's you know kid and everything I'm like you know that would have been a cool place to go but you know did, uh, i like being surprised and on yeah. where things go and everything it's just so much randomness yeah. but you know it's kind of feeling like like i, th- I saw the dragon and i'm like i wonder if bill burr actually has some of those tattoos or maybe even just the dragon one kind of looked a little bit older like it like it'd been on there for a while kind of thing. I mean, even though he said he never has any tattoos as the character, but you know, maybe in real life he has, you know, a tattoo. I like I was like, no, no, no Chinese characters. Right. And they give him a tramp stamp. No, no, you know, I promise. And he didn't have any Chinese character, but he had Mm. every other, uh, no, no, he did. He did. Did he? Yeah. I thought thought it was just like the fact that he didn't do that, but he had every kind of like kitschy type tattoo thing that you do that like beginners always do. Yeah. Like dragons. They get get, like the common things. It's the Chinese symbols or tribal symbols or whatever it is. And it was all just practice, practice for him. But I think that showed kind of a connection with Bill Burr's character. He was willing to sacrifice because you know he's like yeah. I don't have to look at it, so whatever. Yeah. He was willing to, to well, make that sacrifice I, to so yeah. he can practice. I've got a tattoo on my back, and and I don't ever see it, obviously. You know, and that's why I don't think I'd ever get one on yeah, my back. And my my son pointed out that he's like, Dad, what does that mean? And I'm just like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. You know, I mean, that's my oldest yeah. and first tattoo. But I have one on my leg, and when I wear shorts, I'm like, Oh yeah, I have a leg tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it it just you know it, it there was there's symbolism in him in his tattoo art you know what i mean it it was all building up to it you know and and you know if you look at pete davidson's tattoos a lot of them are kind of random too you know in the long run Mm -hmm. and people that are learning to tattoo it's just a lot of randomness you know for for a while until you know that if you're you know a a real life one or cartoon type uh, artist you know different types of artists you know it's just it i think it varies but with I, there's the symbolism there with the with the tattoos and having the you know he knew he knew what he always wanted to do he wanted to be a tattoo artist and have a tattoo restaurant or whatever and he gave tattoos to pretty much everybody you know especially people that meant a lot to him you know what i mean that are friends in a way of kind of showing how much he cares to him and that's kind and of what everybody with- decided they didn't want him doing tattoos on him anymore because yeah. <laughs> man your, your stuff's mad and consistent bro <laughs> He's like, like, I don't have any black friends anymore because you messed up Barack Obama. You can't mess Obama. That was funny. Um, Did you like the ending? I at first kind of was it was very abrupt for me. Yeah, at first I I didn't. I didn't because you know I was like, okay, well, you know, I thought he was going to become a firefighter, but then at the same time, I'm like, okay, if this is going to be like his life, he's not going to be a firefighter like his dad. He has utmost respect for the 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 work that he did. And uh, but that's just not his fate. That's just not where he's headed. I think it. I think the whole ending kind of symbolically uh, was a step forward with him. Showed him yeah. moving on symbolically. You, you kind of saw that he was getting that way. Yeah. But um, you know, he he had talked to his friends in prison. They were all good. Yeah. Uh, his mom was moving on and and made up with uh, Bill Burr's character. You know, she was right. all good. He met this girl. Um, and they took the ferry off of Staten, Staten Island. So, you know, he's never left Staten Island throughout this whole movie. Yeah. And you kind of get the sense that he's just stuck in Staten Island, you know, just like he's stuck in his life and can't move forward and everything. Yeah. Um, so I think it, the, the actually taking the ferry off the island and moving on to the bigger city, you yeah. know, and I'm not, I know it wasn't permanent. They were just going there for the day or whatever. Um, but, you know, just showing that, showing that he actually told her that he loved her. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say is that, that he uh, he did something that he was, you know, really against, you know, unless it, unless it helped him or unless it benefited him, he, he didn't care about anything or anybody else. And she was so surprised when he said, I'll wait for you. Yeah, it's going to be about three hours. I'll, I'll find something to do. He's like, she's like, do something cultural. And he's like, all right. And I looked around, you know, maybe that was his, yeah. you know, uh, in real life, his comedy moment where he, where he went on to, to do some good things in comedy. But I thought it was good. You know, he told her he loves her. He, you know, he got dropped off by Ray. They had buried their thing. And he's, yeah. he had tattooed that thing on Ray's, Ray's back. So, you know, kind of accepted Ray into their family. Right. He kind of has a dad figure right. now again. Um, and then he symbolically, I think, moved on with, with yeah. him getting on the ferry and, and going away with her. And uh, I did read somewhere that, you know, they, they had talked about how uh, she's like, will you take the Staten Island ferry me home when I'm done? Whereas real Staten Island people, I guess they say, take the boat home. 
Yeah, and then and also take the boat home. Right, right, and then also at the end he looks up right where the twin towers used to be, and I did see that. And he's and and that that looking up was uh, his dedication to his dad. The whole film was dedicated to his dad. Were they in Brooklyn or Manhattan? Because the twin 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 towers were in Manhattan. I I thought they had gone to Brooklyn. I can't. Um, Well, no, I mean because you know those main boroughs, except for like Long Island, Staten Island, they're a little bit further away from like. Those main boroughs are on that same island. Yeah, but I just Manhattan wondered, I, I and thought Brooklyn. that they said that they were going to Brooklyn for some reason. Well, maybe I missed something. No, because remember she was trying to she wanted to take her test for right. you know whatever it was. But either way, he I mean it, it it's been said that he looked up to for the dedication towards his dad, you know, because yeah. his dad was his dad was when uh went in there and then the the building came crashing down on his dad in real life. Yeah, last time died. anybody saw uh, uh Scott Davidson was he was running up a stairwell in I can't remember which which uh tower it was, but he was running up the, the stairwell and that was the last time anybody had seen him. Yeah. Um brave 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 people i can't imagine i can't imagine having to deal with something like that and it's not something that you just turn tail and run you know or or get away with you know these these were brave people whose job it was to do what they did and yeah it's 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 tough watching stuff like that but it's it's interesting to see i mean i got especially with the way the firehouse looked and the 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 kitchen in the firehouse looked basically exactly like it does in rescue me and i'm like i wonder if these people these places film in the same you never know. I, I mean, know. I think no, but I do. Uh, it was actually filmed yeah. in a firehouse that's in Staten Island, so yeah. maybe not. But um, so you know, with with Pete Davidson in this whole movie, um, you know, he's uh, you know he has a lot of dark humor when it comes to you know he, he'll make jokes about his dad dying and everything, which you know that's how he functions, that's how he deals with it, and yeah. you know that's how he's able to process things in his life. I can't imagine doing that if that were to happen to me, and especially at a young age. But I mean, it's it's kind of like you know this thing. A lot of a lot of people are are getting a lot more comfortable with this dark humor, and we've had that for the past couple of decades. You know, a lot of dark humor, anti heroes and mm-hmm. movies and different things like that. And a lot of people are saying we need to be done with the anti heroes and the dark humor and move back to kind of you know more traditional or whatever. You know, yeah. because things in culture they 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 come. Uh, so they, they can be retro and come back and, and, you know, the, the it's ebbs and flows and, and, you know, you know, I'm sure if we go back to the more traditional hero or whatever, eventually we're going to come back to the dark hero again or yeah. whatever it may be. But, you know, this cynicism, uh, the dark humor or whatever, uh, you know, what do you think, you know, is, is a more desensitized way of dealing with tragedy healthier you know does it subtract from the memory of a person or is it good to come uh, you know good to cross those lines and make light of it you know like a lot of comedians i think you really do i mean now the only problem is is that nowadays you know you do have to be careful what you say because you'll offend one person or another you know and and, but with dark humor you're pretty much going to offend everybody and it's whether or not you find it funny or not i mean that's the way you know regular humor is just you know people are very careful you know not to tackle you know what was it uh oh yeah like michael scott you know kind of famously says a lot of it he's like uh, you know talking about aids you know aids day you know you can't talk about this or you can't talk about that because it's too soon or you know stuff like that but that that's kind of what it is is, yeah. is a lot of com you know com- comedians and stuff will look at it and say okay it's a little too early to talk about this but with dark humor you know everything's talked about without without shame you know and some, you know, it's whether or not you find it funny or not. And if you if you are a snowflake about everything, then you're gonna continue, You're not gonna enjoy stuff because you know you can't pander to one person out of millions. Well, and if you notice, comedians are the first ones to come out against people that try to shut down freedom of speech. Yeah. You know, this whole this very sensitive cancel culture type uh, of thing that's going on in the, the the country today. And like you know, we we don't we try not to broach politics here on the show but as it affects movies you know yeah. uh comedians uh, are are usually the first ones to come out and say you know we have to be careful with this because that you know limits what we're allowed to say you know we you know a big part of comedy a huge part of comedy is offending somebody yeah. you know it's saying some something you know 
counterculture. It's it's yeah. saying something that that wouldn't normally be said, and that's why it gets such a reaction. And usually it's funny, right? And sometimes it can be a little too hard. That's why whatever. some of the bravest people out there are those ones that'll sit on the roast stage and get roasted by <laughs> famous, if you can hilarious take it, yeah. comedians, you know. But but those people that are able to sit on that stage and get roasted like that, you know, you got to give them props. You really yeah. do. Yeah. Um, like um, Mike Tyson, he, <laughs> when he was getting roasted, he had just the weirdest uh, uh, reactions. Like he just like overly, you know, did did everything overboard with his clapping and his laughing. Like it almost looked like he was really pissed off in his head. Yeah. Like I could beat the crap out of every single person <laughs> in this room, but I got to play along, you know. Yep. So uh, that's I mean that's really all I had to say about this movie. I think. I think it's worth waiting until it gets on Netflix, or or maybe just rent it for a normal price right now. These these straight to straight straight to streaming movies, you know, it's twenty dollars per rental basically. Um, yeah. They're trying to get what they can from box office, uh, the the missing box office returns they usually get. But um, you know, it's 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 a good movie. Um, it, like I said, you know, it uh, Joe Apatow usually does pretty good. I think this movie could have been a little shorter. A lot of a lot of the the uh, beginning and middle could have been cut down a little bit. Um, just entirely too much setup, in my opinion. But I would say, you know, def- I liked it. Definitely watch it if you can get the chance. But in my opinion. Um, I'd wait until it was and on streaming, or at me, least you could rent it for right, four right. bucks. And and I get that. I, I really get that. I mean, just the way I look at it is if I would have went to the theater, which this is a movie that I, me personally, I would spend money to go to the theater to watch. Um, and, I, and I don't mind spending the $20 because I really, really enjoyed it, you know. But I'm also kind of a penny pincher at times, so, you know, I don't want to spend money on stuff that, you know, that I can just, if as long as I have patience, I can wait for it to come out on video and be a heck of a lot cheaper. But again, for me, it was worth it because I really enjoyed this film. Cool. Well, cool, cool. Um, I think that's really all we had to say about this. You know, watch it if you get the chance. Uh, you know, if if you need to wait for a little bit, there's there's nothing about this movie you need to rush out and and go watch it for. Um, but if you know if you need to kill time and you're gonna pay twenty dollars anyways for because you want to watch a new movie, then it's definitely a good watch. A lot of good comedic elements. Peter uh, Pete Davidson does a good job in in the role that he's trying to express and that, that Judd Apatow's uh, trying to express through him. Um, Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr is an amazing like he was in The Mandalorian. You know, is an amazing standout. Um, I think everybody does pretty pretty good here. Just like a little few things here and there that kind of threw it off for me. But, you know, overall, pretty good movie. Um, rent it if you get the chance. Um, uh, if you guys want to contact us, you can uh, get on our uh, Facebook or our Instagram at uh, The Post Credit Podcast. Uh, you can also email us at uh, The Post Credit Podcast at gmail.com. Um, stay tuned for some uh, some episodes coming up. We're going to do uh, a few more reviews and uh, introducing some new segments coming up. So look forward uh, look forward to that. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next time. And throw me a bone.